Hey, welcome. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the MSP Initiative Live. It is January 13th. It's not an unlucky day because it's a Thursday, not a Friday. See, I almost caught you there. We have uh, we have two heavy hitters uh, on the show today. We have Matt Lee, uh, Mr. Beard himself, although rumor is that the beard, the beard may in the future disappear. Yeah, man. Uh, stay tuned, ah. but doing a charity event uh, at IT Nation next year. Hopefully shave my beard for, for some good causes. Wow. Should I grow the fro back so that they can shave it? Ooh, I just yes. want to see you in the fro. So, yeah. yeah oh, sure. okay. I, like I was, rock, <laughs> I was rocking that for a long time. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Mr. Mr. Social Online Video Storyteller Extraordinaire, Mr. Eric Bowles. How are you, sir? Good. How are you Thanks doing for today? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, these two guys know each other well. Uh, should be an interesting time. Uh, if you haven't already put it together, they're they're Pax Aiders, and our friend Mr. Ken Patterson is uh, is a busy guy these days. But hey, there's there's some good other people out there on the team, and here they are. So, welcome to the show today, guys. Um, Matt, I mean, it's 2021. Things haven't really slowed down. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, I think there's a lot of conversation about, you know, again, that, you know, the new stuff when it comes to cybersecurity, right? Log4j actually continued on, right? (laughs) And it kind of morphed into variants, if if we're allowed to use that word. Sure. Uh, Multiple CVEs coming together all at the end at the same time. Exactly. I think Microsoft just released like 29 critical things yesterday or earlier this week. And they caused uh, some serious challenges, right? With some of the patching that happened. I know some MSBs are doing some tap dancing uh, over the last uh, week or so from, from patching for sure. Since yeah. Tuesday. And feels then, like a week then, since Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, it's like literally not a dull moment, right? Like the, these IT, the IT professionals out there are struggling to keep up. Eric, I'm sure you've talked to a ton of MSPs lately about um, now that NCE is live, right? With Microsoft, this, Pretty pretty big topic around the internet circles at MSP land. Uh, it's here. The SKUs are live, right? People can now place orders. Uh, I know that there's a lot of grumbling still <laughs> around that. Um, curious, curious what you're hearing out on the street. Is there is there a light at the end of the tunnel from from the people you're talking to, or is it still a little bit flammable? Um, I, I think there's absolutely a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, obviously, the concerns sit around, you know, we can no longer go month to month. There's a ton of moving pieces there. Microsoft is, is a pretty old company and they're, they're, they're not stupid. And they understand that, you know, I, I've even seen some things in, in different like Reddit channels, some people saying, you know, Microsoft's trying to steal our customer and take them direct. No, they're not. No. That's not at all what they're trying to do. Um, they realize what the power of the channel is. They realize the value they have in the MSPs. And ultimately, I think the way this is going to shake out is they're going to say, we can't slap our MSPs in the face. We have to do what's right by them. Um, yeah, but I'll take, I'll take this with a grain of salt here. And, and that's why I'm purposefully wearing my, my pink colors, right? As, is that if you know, my role is usually to look out a few years, right? My role is really usually trying to find out where are we heading as, as, an, as, a, as, a, as an industry. And what I think is happening is this is the perfect writing on the wall to understand that there is a cliff coming for MSPs in the way that a traditional plate spinning value proposition works. And if you're not seeing this as the same way that my CPA 
doesn't depend on the revenue from selling QuickBooks or from selling Tax Act or from selling Thomson Reuters or for, they don't, none of that. They charge for their time. Same thing as my attorney doesn't charge for his case management system, mm-hmm. right? These are the things where we're starting to realize that we've been in this position because Microsoft or AWS or Google, I don't care who you call it, needed to grow. But as they start to become the ubiquitous aspect of what most people use for technology delivery, whether that's Google or AWS or whether that's, or that's Microsoft, there's not going to be margin in it in the same way for that, right? And nor should I expect it to be. But to say they're trying to take your clients is not true. They hope that you take the scalpel and the surgical tray and the light and all the things they've made and you become a damn surgeon and you go do your job in a way that you're adding value and making competitors with the exact same tools, the exact same Microsoft, exact same AWS, exact same Google and helping those small businesses be better than the guy or gal next to them. That's where the value add is and be secure. Hold on a second. Microsoft, as Eric said, is not a new company, right? It's been around for sure. a long time. And traditionally, right, even pre-365, even before Business Productivity Suite, that was the, you know, kind of baby to, to 365. Yeah. Like there was a re like there was open value, there was open license. Re- yep. Resellers have been in their ecosystem for a totally. long time. Whereas AWS and Google, right? You see a lot of companies going direct and it kind of was the reverse, right? Like the reseller part came later. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so so where does this all converge though? Because I'm still seeing a lot of people saying, I just gotta like, why am I even in between this transaction anymore? Yeah. I'll just have them go direct and I'm out, right? Like I'll well, I'll charge a consulting fee and we'll call it a day. And and that's and, and Matt hit the nail on the head, right? Um, George, this is something that will that I know for a fact will resonate with you, right? Is that in 2022 and beyond. There are five rules of a effective sales strategy. Okay. Add value, add value, add value, <laughs> add value. Let the yeah. sales walk through the door. Yeah. Stop trying to sell. Here's the problem is that, especially as MSPs, we're generally technical people, right? We've been around since banner ads have been Big around. Big old nerd. Yeah. Right? Big old nerd. We've been around since banner ads have been around. We can smell an advertising campaign and a sales pitch like a fart in a car. There is, we don't fall for it. The minute you're like, download our cost calculator. Here's our white paper. Here's why you should use this. None of that matters because I can get that anywhere. I can get it directly from Microsoft. I can get it from Acronis. I can get it anywhere. What I look for in you is, so like a buddy of mine was like, you know, dude, you really got to get like, why are you using like a, like, like a stock broker? He's like, why don't you manage your own stocks? And I'm like, it's not that I couldn't learn it. I could learn right. it. Matt knows I could learn it because Matt learned it because he used to have his Series 7. I did. I don't yeah. want to learn it. And I go to a guy who's really, really good at that. And he's got my back. As an MSP, what you've got to do is you've got to say, look, we're not selling you Microsoft licenses, data right. licenses, or Cronus licenses. Right. You're like, we want to come in, sit down with your team and figure out how you operate as a business. What's your culture? What are your people like? Where are your stumbling blocks? What's your go-to-market strategy? Where do you see yourself next year, three years, and five years? And then you come back and say, we can help you be more successful, more profitable, and save money. That is where I add the value. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, uh, go ahead, George. So the big, you know, there's still this um, hope, right? There's still this you know, underground swell of hope saying that, hey, you know, just like Microsoft pulled back on taking out internal use rights, you know, maybe there's a change still in the mix before, you know, this thing all, you know, finalizes, right? The only thing I'll say- like, Is this, is that even in the cards? Like, it seems I, like- I don't know. Percentage. 
I, I don't know. And even if it was or wasn't, I guess what I'm getting at is if you zoom out and look at what the future looks like, this is inconsequential as a speed bump, right? This is sure. this. Now, I will say, if I'm being Cyber Matt Lee, that is not held to the same constituency, particularly as Pax 8, um, I would say that Microsoft did take advantage of their position here and gained the fact that George Bardisi now owns the relationship and the, and the rights. And because he's a business that has likely many more than will fail in this one, we have moved up the stack in the risk, right? We've taken it from the consumer to moving up the stack to the, the, the MSP. And I don't think they did that with any great maliciousness. I think they saw a business opportunity and took it. And I disagree with it. I, I, th I think that's probably unfair and probably doesn't allow for that multiple ecosystem to exist in the same way. At least that's what most people are afraid of. It's the risk. Now, do I think they're being a little bit of chicken little right now? Well, if they're doing their damn jobs and becoming great MSPs and growing their companies and helping them become efficacious and better than competition, they're probably going to pay their damn bill. So I think this comes down to that distributed risk was just an angering point. And they're not wrong, but I don't think they're going to back off of it. No, I, I, saw, I saw a post today in a forum. I know Eric is always rolling through all the online things. Uh, I saw a post today where an MSP in an online Facebook group said, hey, if you're unwilling to take the risk and you're, you're talking about legitimately taking your customer and having them go directly to Microsoft, we worked out some sort of insurance policy with an upstream vendor where you know we can we can absorb the risk if you push it through <laughs> us, if your customer yeah. doesn't pay the bill. And I was like, really? uh, they just made profit. They saw a low risk that everybody's making histrionics out of and said, I'm gonna go make money on it. Good for them. Yeah, I, I love it. I That's was hilarious. just like, I was just like reseller of a <laughs> Reseller of a reseller. I'm a reseller of a reseller. And really, I'm just like, I'm an insurance policy, right? Like if this happens, I'll absorb it because I know it ain't going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Like 15 times out of a million, right? Like I think, listen, I give them credit for the try, but it just seems it. like if that's going to be the angle, right? Like how many people are you going through before the order actually goes through? <laughs> oh, bro. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, Wait, which brings at, me back you know, to the reason why, you know, Eric, you, you, you said this earlier and I forgot it because I'm stupid, but the, the reason why you might want to bring that when you're sitting in front of that customer and saying, listen, I'm not selling you Microsoft SKUs back to Eric's exact point, but I am orchestrating them for you. I am making sure they're always available when you need them. I am consolidating your billing into one easy and concise way to see your technology spend. I am. So like when you start talking about that, why would I still keep it? That's the value prop to the customers. So they don't have a skew over here and a skew over the skew, right? It's now where I can manage it. It's now where I can access it and deal with it. So, I mean, the reason we well, still keep it local as an MSP is because I want to manage it in, in a way that's- uh, Here's an sense. analogy for you though, right? Because obviously, you know, I'm in, I'm in VoIP land in MSP world. Sorry, here. Eric, I won't cut you off again. I will cut <laughs> George <laughs> off to tell you that, I won't that's cut okay. you off. That's okay. That's okay. That's the end of it. I've been married twice, bro. You can cut me off all you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I run into people all the time who, and it, this really heavy shift just occurred, right? Where for like 15, 20 years, everybody wanted to white label and rebrand everything, right? Yeah. Instead yeah. of Office 365, Microsoft 365 is G365, GB, right. George. Yeah, and then yeah. like we get into these conversations and now all of a sudden it's like, hey, we, you know, the bill that goes to the customer, we don't want that coming from our company. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, that that's fine. Uh, it can come from, you know, X, Y, Z, and you can still get your piece of it. And they're just like, we'd rather do that. We don't want to be in the middle of the next DDoS outage. And I was like, okay. You know, like all of a sudden, like uh, the MSPs really turned around and said, I don't want to be the bad guy when something breaks. And then like, I'd rather just point and say, you know, there's a big problem occurring. Here's Google. Have a nice day. Right. And <laughs> You know, like yeah. here's the news article and it's not us like AWS. But I think AWS and Google between the two of them had, I don't know, like a dozen outages in 2021. I mean, yeah. like 
like legitimately big like Netflix affecting outages and and of course the MSP and servers took out more revenue than every one of those, right? Let, let's right. just stop getting into this. It's so histrionic, right? This extent of these public cloud services, man, they had nine outages. Fantastic. How many times do you have to reboot your servers to do updates? Oh, 37 times, 58 times. If you're doing it every week, 52, if I can count. Oh, how many times have those outages added to the same? I feel like one of the things we're starting to see is this understanding of cloud lock-in and the challenges of that and it going down. But you've kind of, you kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's what needs to happen to mature. Three or four or five or six major systems need to compete. They need to allow and have some data portability capabilities down the road. We need to allow the ability to get out of that vendor lock-in to some extent. You know, if you're writing code, that's easy. You use systems like Ansible or Terraform, and you just spin them up in different places, and you go wherever you want. When I'm on Azure Active Directory, it's down. I'm screwed. When I'm yeah. on AWS, it's down. I'm screwed. And I understand right. that, but I do feel though. It's a universal screw. The entire nation is in the same situation. People like nobody beats up the business over it. Unlike when you didn't have your server updated or you were on bad hardware or you were right. It's a universal down. It's a universal problem that hurts all of those cloud providers and they fight like hell to stop having them right in a good competitive market. So I, I just think that we as MSPs and, and as humans in general often zoom too much in on the, the minute. The where we sit, the, the small details that are, that are something that, that can feel big and we can drive them big. But if we look at this, could you have ever added even the security layers you can add in a cloud product on a local prem, period, for any level of I mean, I mean, at a price. Yeah. I mean, if you were willing to pay, it could be Ridiculous. As, yeah. And, and would not get the same ROI out of that as taking on this aggregated level of capability. Now, also puts a lot of the density in the same place for attack, and it makes it much easier for me to do that. But it creates a much normalized battle. Right. I know my battle. It, there's two players, not thousands of fronts. Uh, right. And, and I think that's some of the differences as the cloud providers get more mature and realize that you being secure is in their best interest. They won't let you use a insecure password. They won't let you not have 2FA. They won't let you not have some of these. And you'll start seeing a normalizing set of variables that, that again, lead towards my cliff I'm talking about is that you won't so, be adding that value anymore. As an so let's talk, let's talk about that, Eric, because, you know, Technology, the technology world, even in our lifetime, has been crazy fast, right? Five years in technology land oh, could change like every dog years. three yes. years, right? So, like, we're at a point right now where, I mean, there's a deep, there's a critical why in the road here, right? Where it's like, hey, if you just keep on doing the same thing you've been doing for the last 10 years, in five years from now, can you still actually, do you still have a business? That's right. Um, that's that's the first concern. The second concern is, you know, like even individual MSPs have started realizing that together, if they kind of rubber band two or three or four or five of them together, forget outside money, right? Just people saying, hey, you know, like I, I'm much more valuable as a piece of a bigger pie than just by myself. There just seems like we're at this like multiple events are happening in parallel where like five years from now, this whole sandbox looks a lot different. Yeah, I, I think so. So that's like, like, as you said, right? It's like things are going to be way, way different in 10 years. I would have said that 24 months ago, the pandemic took that and made that three years. Because ultimately what happened was everybody was like, we can't work remotely. We can't close our doors. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. It's just not the way that we're built. And then the government stepped in and said, hey, guess what you're doing? Uh, let's see, carry the one tomorrow. You're shutting your doors. And everybody was like, the ones that made it were the ones that were like, hey, we're a bike shop and we're now going to do 
FaceTime, Zoom, Teams meetings, sell you a bike over that, get all your details, get your credit card, and we're going to walk it out the front door and put it in the back of your car for you. And you're never going to come into our store. Big companies were like, everybody go home and work from home. Like literally starting today, go home. And it's either because they were agile enough to make those decisions or because they were architect in the way that allowed them to make those decisions. So if you are in a world, and this is kind of a hard conversation to have with MSP, right? Is that if you are in a world where you're still doing break fix, if you were, if you were still doing break fix on-prem, you saw this 24 months ago because they were like, yeah, Dave, sorry, we don't need you to come fix our printer anymore because everybody's printers are at home. Um, we don't have printers and we have them in the office, but they're spun down. So ultimately what happened was Everybody went home. They figured out how they had to make it happen. They all went to cloud, which is why we all grew. Um, if you as an MSP tomorrow, if every single one of your vendors in some utopian world said, we are now going direct with your customer, you no longer get to resell our product. If you go out of business because of that, your business from the foundational levels is architected incorrectly. Think about all of you that are, that are using PAX 8, right? Why are you using PAX 8? Ingram Micro has been around longer, Aero ECS, SureWeb, Insight. There's a lot of places you can buy licenses. And Ryan Wall said, wrote it on a dry race board at a house right here in Colorado Springs, actually. In 2013, he said, we know our partners can choose to buy licenses anywhere. They choose PAX 8 because of the experience they get when they work with us. The experience is our product. And this is exactly what I was saying at the beginning of this, of, 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 of this call, right? Is that that is what you sell as your value. And so to your point, George, what you brought up is you are now, you can be anything you want. You can be an MSP, you can be a CSP, you can be whatever. You are a media company. I don't care what you think. If you think you're not a media company, you are wrong. You're a media company. If you're a dentist, a chiropractor, a lawyer, a plumber, you are a media company. Your visibility is more important than your ability. And all I have to do, I can be half as good as, as Matt Lee. And if I can trump him in delivering an insane amount of content on a regular cadence that does nothing but add value, they're going to come back to me. It's mm. no different than the reason that Starbucks lets you go in and sit there on your laptop for four hours and never order a coffee, but use their Wi-Fi and listen to their music because they're adding value. They know you're going to go up to the counter eventually and order a coffee. And if you don't, that's okay too. But start adding value, start creating content. And there's a whole Pax8 initiative that has yet to really be announced called Pax8 Studios and Pax8 Live, where we're literally going to start doing that. I'm glad that I'm not the guy you. that got in trouble for saying that out loud. Um, <laughs> I, got, no, I, mean, I, I mean, this is this is this is very intriguing, right? Because here's the reality. Uh, I've said this for damn near 20 years. Um, you could be just okay technically, right? Not yeah. great, but not horrible. Middle of the road. Yeah. But if you're better, if you're good at sales, if you're good at marketing. You're going to do better than the rest of the guys out there. But let's, I mean, this is just the evolution of that now. Yeah, well, I want to explore right. what Eric said here, right? Because when he says you're adding value, you're producing content, that's it. let's say that's as the acquisition of customers. But let's take yeah. this now to the new model of what a customer is. A new customer has Azure Active Directory, all SaaS apps, pretty much the same SaaS apps, like the top 30 or 40 probably across your entire practice. So if you looked at a new customer, what do I have to do to make them better than their competition? They need to know their tools better. They need to know how they interact better. They need to be faster. They need to be more reliable. They need to have better interactions. They need, Wait a minute. That's all content. That's all value add. That's all education, helping guide, grow, and teach, and help someone say, you know what? If you use this feature in Teams, you can save doing all this stuff you're doing. We'll save you 30 minutes. And 
Those are going to be the things we're doing to make them more agile, more predictable, and then themselves add value to their customers. And I know that doesn't have a lot of meat in the middle of it, but the point is, I feel like you are becoming a teacher, uh, an educator, a, sometimes a handholder, sometimes a, a, a vision stretcher. And all of those things come from being a bit of a media company in a way, right? Like the ability so, to deliver that message. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm a big, big sports guy, as you know, if you were watching earlier. Never heard um, of it. Getting even I have no idea. <laughs> uh, so, so Sal Pal from ESPN, Sal Pal Antonio always said, the best uh, ability in sports is availability. I think we just coined a new phrase here, Eric. You said, you said your, your visibility, your, your visibility yeah. is more important than your ability. 100%. You have to have a modicum of bell curve of ability, I think. But yeah. if you add that other statement, then that becomes true for sure. Well, and, 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 and let's, let's, let's boil that down a little bit further, right? To what you said, Matt, it's like, if you look at like, you have expertise in the technical domain, right? You had that expertise, which is probably why you started an MSP, because the idea of working for yourself, little did you know, seemed like a good idea. Um, <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to work for myself. And then you're like, oh, crap, I'm working for myself. Um, what you learned along the way is you learned sales, you learned marketing, you learned how to build community, you learned how to build culture within your company. These are all things that you assume that your customer as an MSP has, and they may not. So if you deliver 10 things to them, and they already know nine of them and maybe know them better than you do, but one of them they don't. You've added 10% value. value to their business. And it's that's why the cadence is so important of, of create. It's, it's, it's what they call in the software world CRUD, right? But I use CRUD in a little bit different way, which is create, revise, update, destroy. Don't be afraid to start creating content in one direction and find out it doesn't resonate and kill it. Um, much like marriage, don't be afraid to let go of a mistake just because you spent a long time making it. Um, wow, so, that's a second. Now he just coined the second phrase today. I'm gonna write. That's another one. Um, you know, it, it it it's okay to fear the unknown. The unknown is where the cool things happen, right? The known is boring. The cool things is happen in the unknown space where you're like, I'm gonna learn something new. So along your path of becoming a better marketer, building a better sales strategy, which again is something that we're hopefully gonna start helping you do. That's George. I'm moving teams. I'm moving over to the Pax Eight Studios, Pax Eight Live team, and I'm heading this up. Is, this is breaking news. Breaking yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. Nobody so, knows this externally here. This is the first. Um, yeah. So so we are creating Pax Eight Studios and Pax Eight Live, which is a 24 by five at scale, 24 by five live programming, weekly shows. And it's all around adding value. None of it is sales. It's about how do you build a scalable sales model? Like all these different things. Matt and Dom have a show. Well, I was going to say, and I hear they have one cockeyed fellow on there. So, you know, they're, they're trying to be inclusive. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, listen, this, this is, I think I made Eric is, be himself. <laughs> This is this is modern day stuff that should be happening, right? I mean, I, I just I find it all the time, guys. Right? They're just the guy who's leading the company, right? They started in their basement, they grew their business, they're a little bit bigger now. They, you know, time matters, right? They made it, right, over time. But there is no face, right? We always say, who's the face of the organization? Who's yeah? Out you there? say Datto. Who doesn't think of Rob Ray? Of course, That's right? Yeah, hundred percent. He's he's killed yeah. it. Yeah. So so or or yeah, you think Pax Eight? You think Kenny P? Right. But but my point is like, you know, if they're if the you know, if the owner or the the leader of the company isn't willing to get out there and put themselves out there and be a little bit original, then they should still recruit somebody within the company to go out there and be the evangelist. Right. But I would advocate and I said this on Carrie Simpson's podcast when I kind of talked through my journey this way. 
if you choose to do it yourself, you will be successful. Why? Because everybody else that had that same feeling in your gut that said, no, I cannot do that. I'm scared. What will people think? Like the life judgment, the way we live as human entities, when you overcome that, other people go, wow, that person must be meant to do that. They overcame that, right? Like it's this interesting kind of duality there, in my opinion. But I think that anyone that does this and does it with some level of regularity and does it with what Eric said, right? Don't be afraid to create, destroy and change and, and or crud, right? I think if you did that and you find you would be successful. Now, if you don't like that, right, then certainly hire someone. But I, I don't want people to walk away thinking they can't accomplish this. You know something or you wouldn't be in business and successful. I would drive that forward and try to find ways to let people connect with you. You know, Chris Hoos was our CEO and he literally the first time I saw him speak in front of humans was shaking. I, I saw it. I mean, just bigger than anything. I'm a body language person. He was just dying. I walked up to him. I said, man, you hate this, don't you? He said, yeah, I do, but I got to do it. And then he went on to win Robin Robbins. We won a Tesla. We grew year over year and year over year, right? Like you start getting into this where Chris Hoos now is a known entity in, in, this, in this industry, right? And he hated it. He was terrified of it. So for anyone sitting there saying, I can't do it. I can't go and build my LinkedIn space. I can't go and build my, not true. Not true. You absolutely can. Anyone can Brent, do it. Brent pops in and says, back to the, if you think daddy, you think Rob Ray. He's like, at the ASCII show, I believe in California, it's like Rob, ASCII cup. Rob was not there. One of, uh, I think it was actually not a dad or rep. I think it was one of the guys who's just a fanboy, uh, created hats where it says, where's Rob? Oh yeah, Rob? where's Rob? I saw those. Yep, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that was so, great. That was, that was a cool move. That was like, wow. They but let's actually- look at that though. That comes from creating that kind of just brand- belief that kind of just like you know fanboy cult kind of creation i love rob ray right like i'm I'm in the i'm in the fanboy color me one of those right but you look at that you're not there and now this grassroots and effort happens and somebody makes a joke and it turns into something giant like who wouldn't pay to have that kind of of brand recognition who wouldn't pay to have that kind of just like following that allows you to overcome some of your abilities let's not lie dado has some technical debt they have challenges they have things they have to be better at they're better at the vision than, than the ability in some ways. Now, great company. I'm not taking away from them. I'm just stating that Eric Bowles' equation still comes to tr- fruition there, I think. They well, did a good job of adding value over and over and over and over and over again outside of their own product set. Oh, yeah. this, is, this is great. Think, no, think, ahead, think, back, think back like like 20 years ago when we all still had mouse pads, right? And you had a cheese it mouse pad and you're like, it's the dumbest thing ever. Like, why in the hell would Nabisco make a mouse pad with a cheese it on it? Because you look at your mouse 3,817 times a day. And every time I, you look down, I want you to see and cheese it. Again, your, your, your visibility is better than your ability. Um, many people on this call might know the name Gary Vaynerchuk. I know Gary and I, uh, uh, George and I are, 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 both, are both friends of his, right? I, I know that yeah, I actually Gar- personally- Big Gary V. Yeah, I, I know the guy personally quite well, and I totally get it because you will seldom hear anybody say, Eric Bowles, yeah, he's all right. You're either going to hear, man, I love that dude. You're going to be the noxious son of a bitch. I can't stand that guy. I'm okay with both of those because I'm at least polarizing and I'm identifying who my audience is. So you look at VaynerMedia, right? VaynerMedia, are they a better agency than WPP or Omnicon or Publicist Group or any of those? No. In fact, some of those other groups are probably better than VaynerMedia is because VaynerMedia is still so young. The reason that they have the NHL, the NFL, Nabisco, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, like all these huge accounts is because you can't turn around 
without that annoying SOB Gary Vaynerchuk being <laughs> somewhere in your feed or on your TV on Fox and Friends or whatever and annoying the hell out of you. But guess what he's doing? Every time he does it, you're thinking, God damn, that guy's got a point, man. I should probably think about that because he's adding value. He has never once said, this is why you should use VaynerMedia. Not literally one time. I've known the guy since 2007. He's never once said, this is why you should use VaynerMedia. Everything he does adds value. And the first thing you think of when you're like, crap, we need an agency. You're like, we should probably look at VaynerMedia. That's it. That's the magic sauce. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was actually uh, at uh, Build It, right? Uh, the IT by Design conference that they had. Uh, right there, it was like a flood the next day. It was, <laughs> but uh, they had they rented out uh, Liberty Island. That uh, Gary V was their keynote. Uh, Gary ro- apparently Gary rolled in. Basically, was like, "All right, who's in the audience?" Oh, okay, and that was his prep. Like he didn't even he didn't have a prep call for the whole thing, right? And um, dude crushed it. I mean, yeah. he got up he got up there and just said, "There's a lot of people in this room that should not be in business for themselves." Sorry, yeah. it's true. And I was just like, yeah. and, 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 and the reason that he crushed it is, and the reason that all of you as MSPs can crush it is, talk about things you know and are comfortable with. Don't try to fake it. Don't try to talk about things you're not that, that you don't know. If your partner, if your customer comes to you and says, I really want to know more about this, and you don't know anything about it, your two answers are, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to research the hell out of it because I love you. That's three answers. I like or that. I'm gonna, or I'm going to refer you to somebody, right? I like one that. or the other. But yeah, I don't know it, but I'm going to research it and I'll get back to you because I love you. And thank you for putting your trust in me. But don't fake it. That's why. And I do the yep. exact same thing. Um, I gave a talk and uh, they required a PowerPoint. And so when I sent them the PowerPoint, when I got there with the PowerPoint, they're like, this isn't enough. Like, And I was like, sorry, marketing locked it with a password. That was a lie. But I was like, I, I locked it with a password. <laughs> but I was like, sorry, marketing locked it with a password. And my thought is, when I get up on stage, they're not there to read a PowerPoint. They're there to hear me speak. So the first slide was who I was. And then that stayed up the entire talk. And at the end, it was a picture of me holding a big old mug of beer and smiling. And I was like, if you have any other questions, I'll be in the bar. I love that. That's a great message. I, I, I love the I'll be in the bar. See me over there. Yeah. Um, do you agree with the Gary V statement that if you're not doing in feed LinkedIn content, you know, not, not ads in feed LinkedIn content, you can sponsor that. Right. But like education right. stuff, he's like, that's, that is the hidden gold mine to Facebook or to LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that's the big thing, right. Is that you could, I mean, you know, I could tell everybody that um, um, I'm an MCSE and I am, or I was, I'm not anymore. expired. I was in um, uh, Windows Server 2001. That doesn't matter today. I also was a really good high school football player, but the Denver Broncos aren't calling me and asking for my advice. Things change, things evolve. So pay attention to the ecosystem that's around you. LinkedIn, seven years ago, 10 years ago, was insanely popular and had a bunch of cool features. And then it cooled off. And now it's really popular again. TikTok is super popular, and I can already see people on the other side of these on the other side of these screens going, "TikTok, I'm not putting stuff on TikTok." <laughs> guess I'm what a bunch of these? Guess what a bunch of these IT dudes are laying for that work for companies. Guess what they're doing when they're laying in bed at night? They're not listening to their wife. They're going like this and scrolling TikTok. And if they land on your video that's adding a little bit of value to them, then it's worth at least creating content on there, and it only takes sixty seconds. That's it. Instagram, Facebook. Go where your audience is. Do not expect your audience to come back to where you are. I guess I must have pissed off Matt. That's fine. Nah, 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 um, he, he, so Brent says, where's the B-Boy beer mug? Oh, I'm going to send Eric some B-Boy beer mugs. Don't worry. 
Uh, and then Matt actually had to bounce. So that's all right. Me and Eric are going to take you the rest of the way. But um, it, it's really interesting, uh, Eric, because uh, Sade, who's behind the scenes running this, she's a big TikToker. And I just keep on telling her, check your bank account. They may have, you know, kind of emptied it. And China may have just taken all that money out of there. <laughs> so uh, just be careful, right? You might want to get a separate device for that or something. I don't know. But uh, uh, on the, on on the, I know Instagram's still pretty trendy, right? I don't know how much yeah. TikTok in a, b2b is i know b2c it's popular um linkedin obviously is the social media platform more or less for b2b right i know a lot of people got onto the um snapchat realm but it never really took off for business it just kind of died a little bit the problem with snapchat is there's no way to actually discover other people like you can discover really good content but it's not like i can go through my contacts and find people and all that unless it's changed i haven't used snapchat in a while but for the for that exact reason right but TikTok's a little bit different. LinkedIn, you're right. It, it's absolutely the hotspot right now. And the people that are winning on LinkedIn are not trying to force you back over to their blog. They're not trying to force you back over to their website. And they're not uploading. They're not sharing a link from a YouTube video. They're uploading the video natively into the LinkedIn platform. And all of us now, post-pandemic, all of us have a webcam, right? I've got like four of them. All of us have webcam sitting on top of our computer. LinkedIn, go to their website click on create content, they have a video recorder built right in. You don't even have to grab your phone and do it. You literally can go gadunk and the little blue light on your camera comes on and you say your piece and you go gadunk. You don't need to add lower thirds. You don't need to edit it. It doesn't need to have bumpers. It doesn't need to have a soundtrack. It needs to have value. And you can do it. I'm way too busy, Eric. I can't do that. So you mean to tell me that you don't have five or six minutes between call number six of the day and call number seven of the day where call number six said something super crazy insightful and you thought, oh my God, I wonder how many of my other customers wonder if this is an issue that I took for I took for granted because I understand this super, super well and they don't know it. You know what? LinkedIn, boom, camera comes on. Hey, this is Eric with Pax8. Just got up a really intriguing call with somebody and they brought something up that I think I kind of take for granted. And it's about SPF records, DKIM and DMARC. Did you know, blah, 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 blah. You lay out your piece. Anyways, let me know your thoughts in the comments. Boom, 40 seconds. You're done and you're on to your next call. You still have time to go to the bathroom and grab a beer. Yeah, got got that radio commercial break in between. Brent actually popped in and you hit it right on. He just said, how long do you su set, uh, suggest content length should be? I guess it varies on the platform, right? That varies on the platform and varies on the content. I generally um, over-index on snackable content because I want you to, with, with YouTube, obviously, because this is what they do. They did a bunch of research. And some of that research was that... Um, they did heat mapping of, of where people look when they, when, when, they, when they land on a YouTube video. And the first place they look is the lower right corner where it says this video is four minutes and 37 seconds long. And the, the, the cliff for content is 159 to 201. Two minutes and beyond, you're like, I don't have time for that. A minute and 59 and under, and people are like, I got two minutes, right? Whatever, for whatever reason, that's kind of their thing. And if you think you can't deliver quality content in two minutes or less, I want you to think back about the DIY channel, um, HGTV, things like that, where during a commercial break, some dude is like, you know, hey, I'm going to show you how to pour concrete countertops in your kitchen and you're going to do it yourself. And he lays out the whole thing in one minute. And in one minute, you're like, holy shit, man, I think that, I could pour that, that, concrete that's, countertops. That sounds, that sounds like a condensed version of Home Improvement, man. Remember right. that TV show with Tim Allen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe Al Borland was the guy to listen to, not Tim. Right. Now... To, to, to add to that, they show you how to do stamped concrete on your back patio in a minute or less. Don't buy it. It's insanely difficult and you're going to screw it up. 
I've done it five times and I've screwed up every single one of them. It's really hard, but wow. they, they, they deliver enough content to make you feel like you're like, I now have at least the confidence to go look into this further and maybe do my own stamped concrete or pour concrete countertops in my kitchen or rephrase my, my kitchen cabinets or lay my own flooring. You can do the exact same thing. And it's that cadence, that repetitive cadence. And if you've got something super, super insightful that takes seven minutes to talk about, then take seven minutes. But to your question of how long should content be, it should be just long enough to satisfy what needs to be said. If you think you need to do a 30-minute show and 23 minutes of that is just filler and crap, you're going to lose your audience and they're not going to come back. Make sure you can keep your audience engaged. And if that's only seven minutes of stuff, then that's only seven minutes of stuff. So one of the things that I learned through my my business journey was um, consistency, right? If you just post something one time, and no, and and like you miss that person in in that feed, you know, calculation that day, they don't see it, right? Like you need to be consistently posting stuff. How much is too much? How much is not enough? Um, uh, again, I th- I think your audience will dictate right? dictate that, right? And you have to and well, you're not only going to see what is too much and what is too little, but time of day. When are they looking at these different platforms? And it's platform dependent, right? When are they looking at TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn? LinkedIn is probably during the daytime, right? Um, Facebook's probably more in the evening, um, th- things like that, right? And, and if you've got an older demographic, an older demographic is great as far as a customer base. Facebook is great for that because if you watch, if any of you guys have kids and you watch your kids like scroll through stuff, they scroll through on their phone. They're like, and I'm like, you're not looking at anything. And then they stop and they scroll back. And I'm like, how did you see that? As to where you look at an old person and they're like, it's nice and slow. They're not real fast they're going to see your content on Facebook because they're scrolling so slowly, right? They have a much better chance. They're not, they're not some search algorithm like my 16 year old kid is. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it, your cadence depends. The, the content depends, right? If you don't lock yourself into, I've got to be posting on LinkedIn six times a day. If you've got nine really, really insightful things to say in one day, then that day you need to be posting nine times. If the next day you only have three things insightful to say, then you only need to be posting three times. The quality of the content is what matters. Not the lower thirds, not the graphics, not the music, not the cadence, not the platform, none, none of that. The quality is if you can make me on a continual basis go, damn, man, that George Bardisi guy's a smart dude. I should follow him. I should more. I should watch more of his content. And, and I'm there until, until you let me down, right? Um, and, until you start talking about advertising or things like this. Um, you know, as I'm, as, as, if Sade is a big, a, a big TikToker, she can attest to, it's like, there's people that have millions of followers. And the next thing you know, they start talking about, and this is why I used Crest. And you watch their follower count go, because they sold out. That is the big sensitivity topic, right? Everybody's like, oh, you sold out to an advertiser. She just said true. <laughs> yeah. There you watch did. them plummet, Pop man. I you got know? you. Brent comes back and says, what do you think about the, uh, idea of posting like a preview or a trailer and then if they're interested they'll go into the actual full video yeah i i don't i don't necessarily have have any kind of a problem with that i mean you know i think i in fact i think there's probably some ideas around like if you're gonna have like something you know like 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 this show that george does every single week right um building some content leading up to it about you know all that you know a little thing being like hey we're gonna cover this in depth this you know this coming thursday on, on, on the show, those kinds of things. And, and you'll figure out the people that really want to come in and, and watch it. And just understand that there's some people that want to watch it, but just can't because they can't carve 30, 45, or 60 minutes out of their life to make that happen. 
um, again, why I'm such a huge fan of snackable content, right? Um, Even if you have a complex topic, like, like, let's, let's say that you're an MSP that's reselling, you know, Datto, and you're like, I want to walk through an entire Datto demo. That one hour Datto demo is 15 videos, all short, all topical, all one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, all the way through, because not only can I watch little pieces as I want, when there's one piece that I need to kind of recover in my head and be like, there's one piece that I didn't quite understand. I don't have to click and like drag through the timeline and try to figure out where in the hell that's at. I go back and click on video number seven and I watch that piece again. <laughs> Brent says, let down. Ralphie discovers it's just an Ovaltine commercial. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, but listen, there's something to be said for repackaging, right? And like yeah. the big media brands do this all the time, right? They record a lot of things and they chop this up and they use it in different ways. I mean, so if you, you know, like I could take this hour session cut up two or three or four or five or a hundred pieces, right? Of 30 seconds, 60 seconds and continually put, put that out there. And it'll actually bring, you know, the traffic back that you're probably looking for. This is, this is pillar to micro, right? It's like you have one big piece of pillar content, take it and figure out how many, you know, out of this video, there's probably 15 or 20 of them, break them all out into smaller pieces and use those in different platforms and different incantations. And, and, and yeah, to your point, repackaging, right? Um, Take the exact same video on LinkedIn, run it two different days with a different title on it or on Facebook or whatever. This is A-B testing, right? One title did this, one title did this. Now, was it time of day? Was it day of week? Was it the title? Those are the things you have to kind of drill into and figure out. Start a YouTube channel. You know, we're all geeks. Where do we go? I don't want to read anything. That sounds like hard work and I'm a knuckle dragon engineer. I, I was, want always, to go to I was always a movie and... guy. I was always a movie yeah. guy. Like I'll not read the book, but I'll watch a movie. Yeah, you you could have a the 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 world's foremost number one New York Times bestseller book ever and be my best friend. And if you didn't make it into an audio book, I wish you luck, but I'm never consuming your content. My fat ass has a treadmill to be on and I'm listening to an audio book while I'm doing it. So so there's something to be said for delivering the content on multiple mediums, right? Audio. So it could be in podcast format. It could be in video format. It could be like, you can really get on a lot of different platforms and then like simultaneously pushing content out. Yeah. And, and I I think the other place that's really, really grossly overlooked um, and this is something we're, we're addressing with PAX 8 through this whole content initiative is um, uh, she's going to go off Um, your, your, your Alexa device, right? Um, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? There you go. Alexa, stop. You know how easy it is to create a flash briefing where every single morning while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm shaving, I'm eating breakfast, I'm making my lunch, I'm doing whatever the heck I'm doing, getting ready for the day, completely hands-free, you have the opportunity to be in my ear. 30, 60, 90, 120 seconds. It's basically a a two-minute podcast. And it's part of a flash briefing. And all you have to do is convince me to enable that flash briefing in my app. And every morning when I ask her what's happening for the day, I hear from NPR. I hear from my buddy Gary V. I hear from PAX 8. And I hear from, you know, um, you know BVOIP. I hear from, you know, the MSP initiative. I hear from whatever. But, but that starts to add value to my day. Here's the things I should be thinking about going into the day. That's brilliant. I mean, I mean, small package. So how much, I guess the argument to that, all of this is, Eric, how much time, right? Like how much time of my day am I putting into creating this type of stuff in order for it to actually gain some traction? Well, so there, there again comes in the piece of um, talk about what you know, right? Research is required for things that you don't know. 
but when you know about stuff, when you hear it with, with, through peer initiatives and all that kind of stuff and all the technical pieces, it literally is as complex as sitting down and going, okay, let's see, there's my microphone. And you sit down and it's on your screen and you have three different blog posts and you go, hey, today this happened with Microsoft and this happened over here and this happened over there and whatever. Stop recording. You're done. Go upload it. It's that easy. Uh, Brent popped in and said, with respect to time, do you create once and post to many or unique to each? Um, it depends. There's some content that I think goes across all platforms. There's some content that I think speaks to an Instagram audience better because it's a visual, it, it's a visual medium versus a video on, on LinkedIn versus a video on Facebook or YouTube. Um, time format matters, obviously. You know, you still can't upload um, more than a 10 minute video or nine, nine minute and 59 second video to LinkedIn, because apparently it's prehistoric times, um, for them. Um, you know, and, 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 and the content that you upload on, on, on TikTok, you know, um, as, as anybody who uses TikTok can attest to, and as Sadek and I'm sure, I'm sure can attest to is that there are, there are two types of cringy content on, on, on TikTok, right? And it's that 55-year-old guy that's trying to be a TikToker and it's just like, oh, bro, quit. Or it's that 55-year-old guy that knows he shouldn't be on TikTok and is so overtly ridiculous that you're like, I'm going to watch every single one of this dude's videos because it is flipping hilarious, right? It just depends. I just know your audience um, and listen to your audience, right? Create, revise, update, destroy. You almost have to build like a SEAL team, a social engagement and listening team. Um, and that social engagement listening team is I engage them and I listen. What are they asking for? Deliver that. Don't deliver what you think they need. Deliver what they're asking for. Well, you got to get started somewhere, right? I mean, yeah. even if you don't know what they're asking for, if you start, you at least get to a point where you start to realize what people actually are following, right? And that is the key right there. You hit the nail right on the head, on the head my friend. Just start. It's weird. It's awkward. We don't like seeing ourselves on camera. I get it. I have a face made for radio. I'm totally on board with that. Um, but I got a great sense of humor and I'm charismatic AF. So yeah, whatever. You'll like, just start creating. Eventually what you'll do is you'll, and, and don't go back and rewatch it, create and post it. Don't go watch it. Cause if you watch it, you'll never post it. But then <laughs> six months later, go back and look at your first one and then look at your last one. And you'll be like, Oh man, I've really grown. Like this is a different person. This is a different me than was there six months ago. Right. I mean, um, with, with time, it, you know, all things change, right? I mean, I still don't think it's a good idea to record fights in the stands at the Eagles games, though, Eric. That might be a boogie. God, no kidding, man. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Going back. How are the Eagles doing this season? I believe we're going into Tampa Bay this weekend. That's nice. Yeah, I'll be there. It'll be a little rainy, I think 25-mile-per-hour winds. Lens a little that. bit of running the ball now. Yeah. Yeah, just keep it out of the air. You'll be fine. Yeah, 100%. I mean, listen, if Tom Brady can't run the ball, then somebody else has to do it, right? That's right. Yeah. Hey, listen, we came to Denver. We saw the Eagles in Denver at, uh, what is it, in, in, in Vesco and in Safeco? Invesco, it's not Vesco now. It's something different. But it seems like they change names every three years now, you know. Back when yeah. you and I were young, it was like the stadium was the stadium, and it stayed that way it's forever. High, right? Like, right? I mean, yeah. and, then it, and then it was Sports Authority forever. Right. And that sports authority went out and then they changed it up. Yeah. And now it seems like every other year it's got a new name. So yeah, that's cool. Well, hey, you know, it's still, it was still cool to actually go into the stadium. I, for some reason, you know, my, what is it? I think I'm in the 19 NFL stadiums of the, of the 30. 
um, or 29. And then I just never went inside of Denver stadium until this year. So it was a good time. Wow. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Eagles Broncos at mile high. And by the way, that whole mile high thing is legit. You know, you start huffing and puffing, you know, you know, and you're like, why am I, so, why am I having such a hard time walking down the street? Yeah. And you start walking that, that ramp all the you start walking that ramp all the way around to get to your seats, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a slog, man. hundred percent. So like now that you've let the cat out of the bag on this, you know, PAX eight studios, like what's, what's the, you know, what does it look like for the, for the MSP, right? What are they, what do they get to look forward to on that? We're still putting all those pieces together. So we don't, we, 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 we don't, this is still very, very new, but we're moving very, very fast. Um, um, but, but it's really going to be all around value added content, right? Like, like, um, how do you become a better, we're not interested in making you a better Pax8 partner. We're interested in making you a better MSP. If you, if we can help make you a better business, you will hopefully remember who brought you, who brought you that content. Um, you know, and, um, some of it will be free and public to the world. Some of it will be a little bit gated where you have to be an active partner to view it and consume it. Um, you know, we're still going to be doing all of the all, all of the academy content through Rex and Craig, and they're they're going to be pushing a lot of that through live. But um, it'll be like a weekly show, essentially. Like there will be, ideally, in a perfect world, five days a week, twenty four hours a day, all across the globe, from APAC to UK to US, whatever. We will have a show every single hour or every thirty minutes, and like it might be Ryan Walsh, our COO, that's 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 interviewing a vendor, or it might be. Um, in fact, it will be Lindsay Hoffman, who runs our Microsoft programs, demystifying all the different pieces, moving pieces of what's happening in Microsoft. And part of that will be some of their new initiatives, right? That's, um, a, that's a lot of content to fill that many hours of the day. It's like an ESPN broadcast. Yeah, you got it. It's a big initiative. It's a super big initiative. You that's know, a, I mean, you're going to be recording all day, every day. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go watch new, uh, what was it? Newsroom on HBO and uh morning show on Apple TV plus. Let me just like learn how the business runs. How about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who who yeah. knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe you guys will get picked up by uh there was a, there was a group of guys here in uh, outside of Philly in the burbs and they got picked up by comedy central. Their, their show is about the old Eagles courtroom underneath the stadium. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they made a show. They made like a sitcom out of it. Right. With all the idiots that get lot. Yeah. That get taken That's down right. during the game or at the vet. Yeah. You know, now, now I just gave you an idea. Right. We'll, there we'll, you we'll, go. Make, a, we'll make another version of that. <laughs> That's right. So let me ask you this as we're going into the tail end of this. Like, you know, what is the, you know, what is the value at this point of if I'm a business, right? You know, web page is kind of like a brochure. We've heard this a thousand times over, right? It's just like, here's what I do. Here's my information about me, right? But like, it sounds like your marketing effort locally around you as you're trying to like prospect and kind of, you know, gain a little bit of notoriety, you know, in your area is, it sounds like you should be sending more video messaging and more audio clips rather than text content. That's what I'm starting to get from you. And yeah, and I, I, me personally, I would certainly, I would certainly lead with video and audio. Um, if you're not good on video, then yeah, write a blog post, write a LinkedIn post, become an author on LinkedIn, change your account over to a LinkedIn creator account, right? So that people can follow you. Um, but there's nothing wrong with written content. There are still plenty of people out there that are like, I hate watching video, man. I hate it. 
Um, I don't like the disruption of the noise, the blah, 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 whatever. I'm in a noisy environment. I'm in a doctor's office. I'm in an airport, whatever. Um, so yeah, right. Writing is still perfectly legit. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, but, but again, gauge your audience. Right. And I think we are in a, in, in a mindset now where it's easier for me to passively consume content. I can be doing something else and listen to a video or have a video over here in the corner. I can be doing something else to listen to audio. I can't be doing something else and reading something. Right. Which is why I don't read books. Like if it's on an audio book, if I can't do it while I'm at the gym working out in the morning, eh, sorry. Hmm. How, how uh, uh, you know, I know, you know, you mentioned your buddy, Gary V. I know you're real tight with him. He, he has a certain brand, right? His brand's kind of like the Northeast unfiltered. You might not like the way that I tell it to you, but I'm just giving it to you anyway. How non-PC can you get without having a problem for, and when you're in B2B world? Um, I, I, think there's, I think there's a couple things to that, right? I mean, obviously, if you're an MSP that mainly services the nonprofit church sector, I might want to tone it back a little bit. Um, if you know, you have to kind of know your customer, right? And and then you have to know, you have to self-identify or within your organization identify like where are we willing to have a breaking point at any level. I would say, even Bambi had enemies, right? You can't please everybody all the time, and that is one damn cute deer, damn cute deer. So or doe. Um, so don't be afraid to be polarizing, right? Identify who your audience is. Those are your, those are your, your, your early on people, the ones that are going to follow you, the ones that are going to use you, the ones that are going to endorse you. Don't be afraid to polarize yourself towards that audience. It doesn't mean this is one of the big things. And, and, and this is, I think, where Gary and I get along so well is that I had a speaking engagement. And they're like, the only request you have is you can't cuss while you're on stage. And I was like, you need to find somebody else. And I was like, not because I'm, I was like, not because I'm unwilling. I was like, and it's not that I force it. I don't do it for effect. I was like, it's genuinely part of who I am. You can ask my 16 year old kid, kid and his really unhappy mom about my language. It's just kind of the way that I'm wired. And it, it, it's part of the way that I've always spoken. And I was like, I want to be genuine and I want to connect with your audience. And if you tell me that I need to be Mr. Rogers on your, on, on, on stage for your audience, I can't do that. So at the end of the day, just be authentic, be who you are, the way your conversational tone, the way you would think about it, like you're telling a, a, a close trusted friend about something super cool and new while you're sitting across the table at a bar having a beer, right? That's the conversational tone I would use. It's, auth it's authentic and people buy into authenticity, right? They don't want to be sold. They don't want it to be suit and tie, neatly pressed from the waist up. Um, you know, any of that news broadcast stuff, we get that, I mean, Think about your nightly news and you watch all the time, right? And the newscaster, the weather guy, the sports guy tries to be funny and you're like, oh man, that's painful. That's forced inauthenticity. And that's yeah. why it's so painful to watch. So don't, don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Be, be the authentic you and, and just kind of deliver, right? I mean, this is the authentic me. And, you know, as somebody in HR once told me, you walk into a room and you suck all the oxygen out of it. And I was like, oh, you work for HR. I don't care what you say. Um, <laughs> Couple of couple of notes have come in uh, here. Then here it says, "Are you really able to absorb content when there is something distracting happening?" And then he came back and said, "Reading seems like it's more absorbing." And and I think that's true for a lot of people, right? I mean, there, there's you're right. There's science around the fact that the reason they still tell us to keep a journal and write stuff down is because you remember stuff better when you write it down. There's no doubt about that. I I, I I don't think there's any disputing that, and I don't think there's any disputing that you might. 
absorb stuff better when you read, but it depends on the kind of person you are, right? Like I'm a visual spatial thinker. When I read, I don't remember any of it because my mind wanders. I start thinking about something else. So I'm like, you know, I'm reading through something. And I'm like, did I fix that board on the fence? Damn it. We're starting over at the top of that paragraph. And we start over and we read all the way down again. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the things that I hear in, in audiobooks and the things I watch in videos, those are the things that engage me. So, I, again, I think this goes back to George's point of create for, for, for different mediums, right? Whether it's written or audio or video, um, you know, if I, if I were to be like, you know, trying to build up the Lego Millennium Falcon, I'm probably not going to remember everything you said in your podcast. But yeah. if I'm lifting weights and on a bike or on a treadmill in a gym, yeah, I'm probably going to, I don't, I don't I know, I, see. I'm doing something else, but I'm not really distracted. I want to see how that Millennium Falcon turns out. Last one for you here. Pete, Pete comes in and says, personal brand or company brand? Which Both. one are you going for? Both. Um, I did super, super, super good question, Pete. Um, yeah, that's huge, right? Is that um, you always say that, you know, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Bullshit. No, they don't. People buy products they know and like from people they trust just a little bit different. We know products, we buy products we know and like, there's your branding side, right? We know and like um, BVOIP, we know and like Acronis or Data or Microsoft or whatever. We buy it from people that we trust. So I think they're kind of synonymous, right? You're building up that brand, but you're building up your brand at the exact same time. I wanna know that when I have an issue that I can call George and be like, bro, I know it's eight o'clock at night, but this thing's broken and I got a problem. And his personal brand is what instills that confidence in me. Not a 24 by seven help desk, not any of the other crap that goes with it. I know it's there. I know they're going to answer my call. You know, Pax 8's going to answer your call. But if any of you are Pax 8 partners, you know that you've got a channel account manager and you know you can call that cam anytime you want. And they're like, hey, I know about you. How was your weekend? Did you get out golfing? You know, how are the Eagles doing? Whatever, like they understand you. Build that personal brand as well especially if you're an employee of an MSP, because if you leave and go to another MSP, you want that audience to follow you. Sorry for all the MSP owners out there if I did that to your employees, but it's a reality, right? Um, if your MSP gets acquired by somebody else, by a bigger company, they, you, you, they're going to be like, oh, this MSP is now Microsoft. No, no, no. This person that was MSP, the MSP is now an employee of Microsoft and I'm going to follow them there. So personal brand is critically important. Mm, interesting. Darren, on my profile, I'm going to have the Eagles and Chick-fil-A. I'm sure you're going to have Chick-fil-A and something else. <laughs> uh, Eric, I really appreciate your time. How can people follow you? Um, uh, Eric Bowles, E-R-I-K-B-O-L-E-S on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram. I deleted Facebook a year ago and I've never been happier, but I think I'm going to have to, with this new initiative, I think I'm going to have to start up another Facebook account. And then um, where are they going to find all this new information once it comes out on the constantly rolling ESPN version of Pax8 channel? Um, Pax8.com, Pax8 on LinkedIn. Those are probably the two best places you're going to start to learn about this. Um, I'll be talking about it more over, obviously, over on 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 LinkedIn underneath my profile as well. So feel free to connect with me there. And um, yeah, well, uh, it's a fast moving train, but 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 we have a long ways down the tracks to go. So it's going to be it's going to be some time. I'm thinking a couple months, but you'll start to hear more and more. I'm going to have to have a whole nother monitor just for the channel. I'll, I'll send you a TV. There you go. I'll take it. Not a tube one, though, because I have people who are still on tube TVs. I don't know why. <laughs>
Uh, <laughs> I know, crazy. Everyone, thanks for watching. You can find this episode and every other episode on mspinitiative.com under sessions. It's in every format, podcast, video, YouTube. Pick whichever one's best for you. Uh, keep coming back Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 o'clock Eastern time if you want to watch it live or play post back whenever you feel like. Of course, keep uh, online with all of our upcoming events, including the MSP Community Block Party coming up at Zero Trust World in February. Thanks very much for tuning in. Eric, catch you on the flip side, my friend. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All right.